Amen. While I am qu quoting song lyrics, let me quote another one for you. Sister Pat led this song, the song that said, His Spirit lives within me, and I will walk in peace. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Praise God. While you're turning there, Galatians 5, 16. Let me remind you, in case you missed that announcement earlier today, that uh, you are all invited to Kissel Park at 4 o'clock today. There will be time of fellowship there. The Sela congregation will be there as well. And uh, I'm trusting it's going to be a good time. Praise God. Galatians 5.16. Can we just pray before we go forward? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your spirit that we feel here. God, I thank you for the manifestation of your spirit your power and your love, God, that you have shown here to us today. I pray, Lord, continue to let your spirit flow. Let it minister to us. Let it speak to us, God. I pray, touch our minds, our understanding, Lord Jesus. Let us hear your voice, Lord. Let us know you and your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians 5.16, it says... I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One more time. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. With the Lord's help, I want to talk a bit about walking in the Spirit today. If uh, you recall, if you were here last week, uh, the Lord ministered to us about walking in truth. And what I feel from Him, the direction for today, is walking in the Spirit. And let me tell you right now, there is no difference in walking in truth and walking in the Spirit. He's truth and He is the Spirit. When we say the Spirit, and I've, I've been taught this, maybe you've been taught this too, but especially uh, depending on the Bible you read and the version it is, if you see capital S, that's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you see lowercase s, that's talking about something else. Well... I just want to say right now, when we say walk in the Spirit, we have to clarify what Spirit or whose Spirit we're talking about. Because there are some people, oh, I'm getting all the way at the bottom of my notes at the top. There are some people who follow after spirits, try to feel spirits, and then call that walking in the spirit or being a spiritual person. No, you walk in the spirit 
and he leads you. That's one spirit. And it's, it's not even my spirit. My spirit simply engages with his spirit, and then I'm done. My spirit's out of the way. And, and from that point forward, walking in the spirit is him leading. It's his spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Brother Timothy, if you would, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. I'm just going to ask this question and I'm going to let you ponder it for the rest of eternity, I guess. I was going to say today, but I don't know that we need to stop after today. Uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Does his spirit dwell in you? Does his spirit dwell in you? Do, do you know for, for a fact that it does? You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth, dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I really, I love plain and simple. I love cut and dry. I love not open for debate or open for um, cross-examining. It's cut and dry, and this verse is cut and dry. Either the Spirit of God dwells in you, and therefore you are His, or His Spirit does not dwell in you, and you are none of His. That's cut and dry. Paul wrote this, this verse to the Romans, and uh, as I read that, especially the last part, if any man have not the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Why would Paul, and why would the Holy Ghost through Paul, need to draw this distinction? Especially, why would it need to draw this distinction if all men have the Spirit of of Christ. Well, I think it's pretty clear not all men do have the Spirit of Christ. And that's why the distinction is drawn. Oh, we don't like that. I'm just saying you, I'm just telling you, the more time goes on and, and the more you observe society from the side, you realize society hates definitive statements. It does, not, it does not do well with definitive. It does well with subjective. It does well with opinion. It does well with open discussion. But you try to get definitive about anything, and you're going to have problems. We could be definitive about how far our property goes out to that road and go stand right there by it, and you stand there long enough, somebody's going to be like, that's not your property. Yeah, it is. It's a definitive statement. No, no, you've got to take two steps over. 
Uh, it's just, it's society. It, 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 nobody likes anything definitive. But to definitively say either the Spirit of God does dwell in you or it does not dwell in you, it's all throughout Scripture. And when it talks about those that it does dwell in, it is only talking about them. The Bible gets exclusive. It gets real exclusive real quick. He is none of his. So I ask, why, why is that distinction needed if all men have the spirit of Christ? And I really want to dwell or, or talk about this idea. How do you know that you have the spirit of Christ dwelling in you? A lot of people would say, you know when you feel it, or you know when you invite it, or you know when, well, you just know, because he's God and he's there. I did some stuff that's not like me recently, uh, and this is going to be fun today. I studied about 10 different denominations and how they say, more or less, try to say, that how you know the Spirit of God dwells in you. I thought about this and I thought, Lord, that's really good for me to know, but I don't really know how I could express that to other people, especially without sounding whatever. So, if you want to know more about these definitive labels, about these uh, groups, then let's talk about it afterwards. But here's what I'm going to do on the record. Oh, I'm going to date myself with this one. There was an old, old, old show that used to be on sometimes where I was. And at the, I think it was the beginning of each episode, they'd say, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. And if you know that one, you're at least as old as I am. The names have been changed. So I've got some descriptions here, but I'm not going to tell you who is who. That's between you and the Spirit. But I want to share these with you because you, you go out and, and talk to anybody, that, especially that you don't know well, a stranger or just a casual acquaintance, and you don't know what they believe. You don't know what they've been taught. You don't know if they've been taught anything. Likely they've heard something. You don't know what kind of mind they've made up in their mind. You don't know any of those things. But it, you, you do know they're a person, they've got a background, and they've come from somewhere. And as, even here in the Northwest, the, the unsaved Northwest, it's pretty common that most people have some history of religion in their past. Some of them cling to it religiously, 
And some people will say, well, I, when I was a kid, it was like that. That's how we were raised, or that's what my parents believed, or my grandparents. But uh, most of them now, they're so far away from that, they have a trouble even remembering what they were taught when they were kids. So there, there's all facets. You hear it all, you see it all, and, and I would dare say we encounter it all throughout just our daily lives. But so again, I'm asking the question, how does someone have the Spirit of Christ? I'm going back to Romans 8, 9. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. So every religion would promote the idea, we want to be His. We want to be with Him. We want to spend eternity with Him. So they've got to have some kind of construct that says, we do if. That's kind of what I want to share with you a little bit today. This first one says, most of this stuff, okay, I either copied and pasted directly from their websites of their articles of faith, or I, it was too much, so I tried to summarize it. I got to say this. I, uh, my intention today is not be offensive or divisive at all to us, to anyone else that might see this, that might hear this. So if I do say something that offends somebody, while I'm trying to convey the thoughts of another group, I apologize for that. I'm not trying to get out of line, okay? That's why I'm not even telling you which group it is, so you can't go and tell somebody on me, I guess. This first group says that you feel confirmation in your heart and mind. If you have felt the influence of the Holy Ghost, you may take that as evidence that the atonement is working in your life. The path to receiving the Holy Ghost is to exercise faith in Christ unto repentance. When you believe it and then feel it, it's there. And the rest of their page is like that. And that one word jumps off the more you read it. Feel, 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 feel. When you feel. I got a problem with that. First of all, not everybody feels the same thing. Not everybody's capable of feeling the same thing. We all process information differently. We even process feelings and emotions differently. Two people could witness the same thing and feel totally different about it. So feeling and emotion is about the least trustworthy thing that you could build your salvation construct around. I mean, I have felt the presence of the Lord here today as we've worshipped, as His anointing flowed through the various singers and musicians and each of us that have prayed and I felt the Holy Ghost here. I'll tell you what though, as the elder of this congregation, that doesn't mean I'm satisfied and we can all go home because I felt the Holy Ghost today. I can't even go home satisfied because I feel like 50% of the room felt the Holy Ghost today. Wonderful. I wouldn't go home satisfied if I felt like 100% of the room felt the Holy Ghost today. Because feeling is not a determining factor 
of anything other than what you felt. So, you find that group and they will tell you, well, if you feel the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life, you've got the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost working in you. Praise the Lord, brother. You got it. I told you I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm going to have a hard time with that. I'm a sarcastic person by nature. This one. Oh, I almost said it. <laughs> this one believes that the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. And they believe, this is again from Articles of Faith. I'm using that term even though all groups don't use that term, just collective. They also believe that we receive the Holy Spirit at baptism and are thereby made adopted sons and daughters of God. Literally, they, they, if you read long enough and, and try hard enough, you'll find something in there that they say, yes, so if you're one of those people that feels like you've got to have the Holy Ghost to go to heaven, then we'll tell you you got the Holy Ghost when you were baptized. That's not going to be uncommon throughout what we see here. But so, so on that one, let me give you my thoughts. Brother Timothy, if you put up Titus chapter 3, verse 3. If you, are re if you receive the Holy Ghost at baptism, how do you justify Titus 3, 3? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you see this. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts, pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. Next verse. Who was that? That was we ourselves. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Next verse. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's a pretty popular verse, or at least it's alluded to in a lot of uh, articles of faith of different denominations. But my question is, how can, if you get the Holy Ghost at baptism, and then say, but we were, some of us were the worst of the worst. We did this, and we did that, and we did that. But the Holy Ghost washed us, then... You're, you're, you're saying that just by getting baptized, you're no longer that. I've been around long enough to know not everybody stays squeak, squeaky clean after they get baptized. Myself included. I was baptized at six years old. 36 years old now. And the last 30 years has not been squeaky clean. I have no problem telling you that. Now we won't go into the details. But... If I believe that I got the Holy Ghost at baptism at six years old, then how do I go back and say, well, some of us were wicked, some of us were foolish, some of, some of us did do these things, but we were washed and regenerated at baptism. It doesn't work in reverse history. Like, oh, I was... I was baptized so I can be as bad as I want since I can say I was baptized. You see where I'm going with that? Somewhere you've got to be definitive about when were you that and when were you not that. 
So this is me, again, trying to justify that. So you're saying you were bad, but you were already good. So even though you were bad, the badness is canceled out by the goodness. That's how I interpret it, what they're saying. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to come back to this one. This one says, At the moment of regeneration, he, God the Holy Spirit, baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. The moment of regeneration. So what's regeneration? A change of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin. We call, conviction is not an, a, a, a term that we are unfamiliar with. We all know conviction. But what this group is saying is, when you feel conviction and you feel bad about that, and then you do this thing, kind of whatever they call repenting, that's the Holy Ghost that made you feel that and made you repent. So you've got the Holy Ghost because it causes you to act. Hmm. Just listen. Just listen. That's all I'm asking. Just listen. This one says, Salvation instantly comes through calling upon the name of the Lord. Then, I'm not taking the time to go through the scriptures, okay? We could get really, really in-depth really fast, but I'm just giving you the highlights. Some of this probably sounds like some scriptures you've heard, but this is what happens. You take one verse and try to make a doctrine out of that verse, and it doesn't fit the rest of the Bible. Because it does say, Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's in the Bible. So this group is saying, Okay, that's in the Bible. We believe that. Call on the name of the Lord. You're saved. Then, baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, is to be sought as a separate experience from salvation. So that when you get it, it helps you do more things, Christian things. I just had to remind myself who I'm talking about. They would tell you, call on the name of the Lord and you're saved. Whew. Thank the Lord for that. Now, because in the Bible it talks about scriptures like, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, or... When the Holy Ghost comes upon... So, yes, we're saying that's all in the Bible. So, to justify that, we're saying, now that you're saved because you called on the Lord, don't be surprised if you start speaking in tongues sometime. Because that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now that you got that, you're kind of like extra Christian. Because now you can... That Holy Ghost is going to help you discern right from wrong. Now that Holy Ghost is going to lead you to more truth. It's going to help you witness. This is another popular one. Those that say you, the, you need the Holy Ghost would say, because Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and shall be witnesses. Right? So they would tell you, you're saved when you call on the name of the Lord, and then you can get the Holy Ghost after the fact and just get more saved. Get more Holy Ghost. Get more good. I'm not trying to be critical. Here's another one. This group rejects the Trinity. So amen to that. 
but they reject the Trinity because they tell you the Holy Spirit is not a person at all. It's, a, it's just a, it's a spirit, so it can't be like God as a person and, and Jesus is a person when you talk to someone that believes in the Holy Trinity because they would say, we believe that God is three distinct persons. And this group tells you, no, you can't because the third person is not a person, it's a spirit. Everybody still with me? You know who I'm talking about. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> they would tell you then, salvation comes through exercising faith and obedience. Exercising faith. So what is that like? I, I, I think it is, therefore it is. So I'm exercising faith and that's salvation. Exercise your faith of salvation and you will have salvation. That's what more or less what they would tell you. There, again, it's not definitive because how would you justify the scripture that says every man's given the measure of faith and then the, Jesus would tell some people you have little faith, you have great faith, so some of us get maybe get saved because of the amount of faith we have or to the degree we exercise it, that's how much we're saved. It's not definitive. We need definitive. This one, oh, this one. Oof. This one would tell you that faith only saves us. Kind of like what I just said about exercising faith. But no, if you have faith, you're saved. Then they would tell you baptism is the sign of regeneration or the new birth. Uh, but here again, we get into kind of to what we talked about with a different one. One can, they, they, this is from the website, one, a person, can get baptized as a child or adult and have another person, another professing member of their church, reaffirm the vows of the person that gets baptized as their sponsor until the person that gets baptized is ready to profess for themselves. That's hard to even t read. Now, so, so if they would tell you that baptism is the sign of new birth, yet they would also tell you you can get baptized at two months, two days, two years, 20 years, whatever, and whenever that baptism occurs, that's when the new birth has happened in that person's life, even through, so, I mean, they're not so naive to just think, well, yeah, babies want to get baptized. No, they see this as the parent wants the child to be saved. So what's the method for that? <laughs> Sorry, I just, I just tripped myself up. The process for that is the parent can save the child through the parent's faith until the child has enough faith for themselves to be saved. But, okay, so what happens if they never get there? Well, that's fine, because they were already baptized. That was the new birth. They don't even have to do anything? Well, no, as long as that professing member is a member in good standing. No, I made that part up, sorry. But they would tell you, we baptize a child at birth, 
That's the regeneration because it's the washing of water. And then they're saved because that, that new birth applied to them then. All right, another one. I'm almost done. This one says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That is a scripture. But that is their scripture on salvation. Confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, and you're saved. When you do this, you will receive the Holy Ghost as well. This is what they would tell you. So it's confession, it's belief, and if you do it, you have the Holy Ghost. If you don't, you don't. So see, they have a, most of these groups that we've talked about have a way of saying Romans 8, 9, if any man has the spirit of Christ, he is his. If he doesn't, he's not his. They just all have a different way of saying how you get there. But most of them, because they try, they, they try to convince people, do this, and that's good enough. This one, I told, I, I told you I was going to come back to it. I'm going read it, to read it now. Most mainstream Christian understanding of salvation would more appropriately de uh, determine Acts 2.38 as, or interpret it, most mainstream Christianity would interpret Acts 2.38 as, repent and be baptized and you have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's what most will tell you. It happens somewhere between the repentance and the baptism. And now you've got the Holy Ghost. Well, obviously there's a big problem with that because that's not what the scripture says. And you shall receive. That is a future tense verb. Something will happen that hasn't happened yet. Right? That's Acts 2.38. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That one you don't find in a lot of places either. Repent in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But this is, this is where... So it's not a huge leap for mainstream Christianity to say that happened. Because I did repent... And because I did get baptized, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That, maybe that's the gift, the repentance and the being baptized. When a, okay, I got something to read. I know it's not easy to listen when I'm just reading, but I need you to hear this. This is what I felt the Lord gave me about what we just said. When a church, a group, an organization, or a person, anyone, does not see the importance of declaring and explaining their understanding of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, it can only mean at best that they do not place proper value on the role of the Holy Ghost in their lives. Now, I'm, I told you I'm not trying to be critical. I believe every person 
can get full understanding of the scripture as that person seeks the Lord and prays and he gives understanding and revelation of scripture. My point here is you find somebody and ask them about the Holy Ghost. How do you get the Holy Ghost? How do you know you've got the Holy Ghost? What does the Holy Ghost do? And if there is not a direct answer, then there is not a direct importance on the Holy Ghost from that person that's answering your question. Well, we believe that happens, but we're not sure how. Okay, I knew this was going to come up. I just didn't know when. Great is the mystery of godliness. And then most groups would tell you, sorry, Brother Timothy, I'm going to make you work. Most groups would tell you, quit asking questions because it's a mystery. Quit trying to make us explain something that's a mystery. Well, if mystery in the Bible meant mystery like they're telling me it means, then I would be okay with that. But mystery in the Bible does not mean something that cannot be understood. It means something that is hidden and yet to be revealed. It's kind of like there is something behind door number two, but we don't know what it is yet. So it's a mystery. But it's there and it's real. And when the door is opened and you see it, the mystery is revealed. And that's revelation. That scripture even itself says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. So that's kind of like cracking the door a little bit to help me with understanding. What is that? 1 Timothy 3, 16, I think. Great is that God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. So we already, truly, already have the three elements of the Trinity right there. We're not even done with the verse yet. God, flesh, spirit. Thank you. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. Oh, hang on a second. I thought this was a Judaism thing. In the Bible, the Gentiles are afterthought. No, not according to the Bible. God was preached to the Gentiles. What was preached to the Gentiles? Ask Peter. You can get there yourself. Preached in the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world. God was received up into glory. Great is the mystery of godliness. I'm going to explain it for you. That's really what that verse says. God did this, God did that. God went here, God went there. God was seen here, God was seen there. How? Through the manifestation of his choosing at that time. Just look at the last one. 
Sorry, I'm having fun at your expense now. Just look at the last one. Received up into glory. It's just like the first one, manifest in the flesh. That's a different manifestation of God than his original God. How he started. Manifest in the flesh. Received up into glory. So he started by coming down in flesh and he ended by going back up into glory. In this verse. My point is, it's not a mystery that cannot be explained. That is usually as far as you get when you ask questions to other leaders of other denominations, leaders, members, whoever it is. Eventually, you'll get to the point where we can't explain it because it's a mystery. Not only can we not explain it, we can't understand it. I don't have a problem with somebody that doesn't have all the mental capacity to explain Genesis to Revelation. But I do have a problem with the God that would say, Salvation is hidden in here somewhere, but it's so hard to understand that nobody's going to find it. It's an Easter egg salvation. And lucky ones will find it and make it to heaven. But no, most of us, we're not that smart. I, I, I challenge you, go home and just study this verse. I mean, you've read it, you've heard it, but study it. My last group. This is, for lack of a better term, our group. If you go, th this church is a UPC-affiliated church, in case nobody knew that. We believe and we teach the doctrine and the gospel that the UPCI, United Pentecostal Church International, professes. I'm going to be honest with you. Brother Timothy, if you give me 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8. I'm going to be honest with you, 36 years in the UPC, that's me, and I've heard Acts 2.38 literally thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of times in my life, and I have heard that's what makes us who we are. We believe, repent. We believe, be baptized in Jesus' name. We believe, and you shall receive the, I believe all of that, yes, but you know what? If you just happen to go on the UPCI website and look under Articles of Faith, what we believe, I don't even think I saw Acts 230 on there at all. This is the first verse that came on there. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Obey the gospel. That is what we believe. That is what I believe. That is what I teach. That is what I will tell any person that asks me, how do I get saved? How do I know I've got the Holy Ghost? How do I know I'm going to heaven? Obey the gospel. Um, for sake of time, I'm not giving you the context, but read all of second. The, it's only a few verses. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and you'll see it is a, a prophecy of what happens to those that do not Obey the gospel. What is the gospel? 
It's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how is it applied? How do I obey that? You live like Jesus, you die like Jesus, you rise like Jesus. To live like Jesus, to repent. He thought it not robbery, though he was equal with God, to be equal with God. Yet he became a servant. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the death. Buried, resurrected. Now, I'm going to do this really quickly. I'm aware of the time. How do we know that we've got the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is just, okay, let me clarify this one real quick. The Holy Ghost is just as much a person of God as Jesus, just in a different manifestation. John 14, 26. Sorry, John 14, 16. I don't have time, I'm sorry, to get all the way through this. The whole second part of my notes is about speaking in tongues, and we're not getting there today. Because that really is where we're headed with, how do I know I've got the Holy Ghost? Well, if you want to know according to the Bible, look at how they knew in the Bible. I will pray the Father, he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Next verse. Even the spirit of truth. Next verse. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Let me give you four settings. We're not going to read them. We don't have time today. Acts 2 and 4, Acts 8 and 12, Acts 10 and 44, Acts 19 and 2. Now, this is all being recorded in case I said that too fast for anybody. Each one of those times that somebody received the Holy Ghost... The scripture says they heard them speak with tongues. You can stand. I'm getting ready to come to a close here. How do I know? I mean, uh, the Lord is going to have to help us today because, as I said before, we come in contact with so many people throughout every day, especially when we get into our sphere of influence, our coworkers, our friends, most of whom do not attend this church or one like it. Let's go. Acts two, uh, 19 and 2. This is my last passage. Paul, when he is well into his ministry. He finds some that say they are disciples. He says to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I'm not, I'm not aware of what that is. So verse 3, he says, unto what? Were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. 
So I'm calling these people disciples of John. I don't know if they were directly encountered with John or through the line, down the line. His doctrine was taught there and they responded. We were baptized unto John's baptism. What we see here is an example of someone who to the best of their ability, they are trying to obey. They are trying to follow. They are trying to be saved. Paul says, go to the next verse. Verily, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ. That's all John did. He baptized people so they could be repented. And he told them, believe on the one that's coming after me, which is Christ Jesus. Next verse. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were rebaptized. They were baptized unto John's baptism, but they were not baptized the way that the Lord taught to be baptized. See, if you were following and you were listening to John and he said, look for the guy that's coming after me, the, and he even, John even said it, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. So that guy told his disciples, Jesus told his disciples, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Different sermon, different day. But they did. And they baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to obey what he told them. That is the name of. Next verse. I'm almost done. When Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. That's how you know. That's all I can say. That's how you know. They had repented, clearly, because of being baptized unto John. But John baptized unto repentance. So you've checked that. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They checked that. Paul laid his hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. What I'm telling you today is I believe if that has happened to you, you can go back to Romans 8, 9 and say, I have the Spirit of Christ. Hang on. What I'm also telling you is if that has not happened to you, my belief as the elder of this congregation is you cannot say according to Romans 8 and 9 I have the spirit of Christ I'd like us to pray come on just respond to what the Lord's dealing I know he's talking to people here right now each one of us is receiving something from the Lord I believe it come on let the Lord speak to us for a moment Jesus I'm open before you I want my spirit to be open before you Lord I want to know the sound of your voice I want to know the truth of your word Jesus I want to know the leading of your spirit oh God
God, I want to be saved. I want to make it into eternal life with you, Jesus. I'm opening these altars right now. Come on, I want you to respond to what the Lord's doing. If you've not yet received this and you want it today, it can happen today. I believe it. Come on, but you've got to respond to the Lord. You've got to respond from a place of honesty. Lord Jesus, I want this in my life. I want to be right with you, Jesus. I want to walk in your spirit, O oh God. I want to walk according to the truth of your word, Jesus. I want to walk according to the truth of your word. In the name of Jesus. Come on, can we all find a place to pray right now? I believe the Lord is here and he's ministering. I'm encouraging you. If you want to kneel in your seat, if you want to come to the front and stand or kneel, I'm asking you to find a place to pray and be honest with the Lord for a moment. Receive what the Lord is speaking here today. Come on, receive what the Lord is ministering here to us today. God, I need the truth. God, I need the truth. I need to walk in your spirit, O oh God. I need to walk in the understanding of truth, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
come on every eye closed for a moment I just want us to pray pray together come on I think it's important if you believe what's expressed here today I think it's good if you express that belief to the Lord come on talk to the Lord let this be a personal thing between you and him Lord Jesus I stand on your word Jesus I stand on your word, Jesus. Your word is truth, oh God. Your word is truth, Lord Jesus. Lord, I need your spirit. I need your spirit inside of me. I need your spirit inside of me, Lord. I need it to lead me and guide me every day. I want to walk in the spirit, Lord Jesus. to say this real quick. I want this area that we live in, Union Gap and Yakima, and this, all this area, I want this area to know that this church believes what was preached and taught here today. I don't care how many other churches start, stop, or continue in this area. What was said here today, I believe 100%. And I believe it is for everyone. everyone I think sometimes we just need to know 
what's true. How many times, come on, just think for a minute, how many times in the last few months has there been mention of deception and false prophets just in the ministry over the pulpit here, how that is prevalent in the world? It seems like every other week or more, the Lord is reminding us why we need truth. Why we need truth. I want every single person that's in this room right now to experience and obey the gospel like I preached here today. But I want, and I want you to continue in it, I want you to walk in it. But I want it for everyone. This is not a social club. Hear me, please. This is not a social club of a group of people that gathers here because we all happen to mostly believe the same things. No, this is a group of spirit-filled, spirit-led individuals that wants the Spirit of God to fill and lead everyone. And until he tells us otherwise, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing here because this is the point that His Spirit has led us to this far. My, I, I realize I talked about a lot of things we don't normally talk about today. I want you to know, and this is why it's probably so foreign to me and all of us, my eyes are not there, ever. I don't look around and drive past churches and think, oh, that's one of those. This is one of these. I don't talk to a coworker and label them based on what they profess or where they tell me they go to church. Uh-uh. My eyes are not there. My focus is not there. I believe what I said here today, and I believe it is for everyone. hear me. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Until a person rejects this, it is for them and it will save them. And they need to hear it. Jesus, Lord, we commit this to you right now, Father. Lord, all that's done and said here today, God, uh, I commit it to you, Lord Jesus. We want to see your leading over this group. We want to see your leading over this congregation, God. And we want to see people saved, Lord Jesus. We want to see the lost be found, Lord God. We want to see the spiritual blindness, God. Leave their eyes and let their eyes be opened. Jesus, we want the revelation of truth and the light of truth to shine on each heart, into each mind, into each spirit, Lord Jesus. I pray let this revelation, Lord Jesus, go forth to every single person, Lord, that has not seen it, that has not heard it, Lord God. I believe that it is the Word of God and obedience to it that saves a soul. Lord, I believe that it is the response of a person to the Word of God that brings them into right standing with you. 
Lord, I speak it today. I declare it today, Lord Jesus. You are the hope, Lord God. You are the hope for this world, Jesus. You're the light that shines in darkness, Lord God. You're the Spirit, Lord God, that moved upon the face of the waters. You are the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. It is through obedience to you, Lord God, that we find you, that we receive you, that we walk according to your ways. I speak it right now in Jesus' name. Deuteronomy 6.4 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love Him with all of your mind, with all of your heart, and with all of your strength. We believe it and we teach it. We proclaim it and we teach it. I want my children to know that and if you were here last Sunday, you know I'm not just talking about my biological children. Amen. God bless you. You greet one another. You're dismissed.